Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles tonight and let's go to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 5 this evening. The book of Nehemiah and chapter 5 this evening. Thank you so much for being in your place tonight. Nehemiah chapter number 5. And we, of course, are walking our way through the book of Nehemiah. Here in the middle of the week, we're in a study simply entitled The Good Work. And that is based out of Nehemiah chapter 2, where Nehemiah says that he has set himself to do this good work. This good work of rebuilding the walls that were in ruin. We've said this already in this study, and that is this, that there are times in our lives where we must commit ourselves to do the good and hard and necessary work of rebuilding. We started chapter 5 last week and we said the beginning of chapter 5 is really a story of reconciliation. It was uh, a grievance that had come up, uh, not, not outside of the work of Jerusalem, not with the pagans that were around them, but this was a grievance inside. That there were those who were exploiting others. They were taking advantage of other people inside the city. And they had gone to Nehemiah and Nehemiah helped them to find reconciliation. But what we're noticing in the back half, the bottom section of this chapter, is not necessarily the work of reconciliation, but the requirement of integrity. Now, if we're going to title the sermon tonight, that's what we would title it. The requirement of integrity when it comes to rebuilding the things in our lives that we have lost, whether it would be a result of of sin or failure, whether that would be something we've done individually or whether that would be something that was done perhaps even outside of us, the requirement of integrity, the the necessity of integrity. So, So what is integrity? Well, the dictionary defines integrity as an adherence to moral or ethical principles. You could say it like this. Integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. When your behavior matches your beliefs. When you, when you do what you say. When you are who you are pretending or projecting yourself to be. And here is the reality. The reality is that all of us at times find ourselves struggling with the area of integrity. It's it's not always easy. In fact, our world is a world where we are more shocked at someone who has integrity than someone who doesn't have integrity. It seems like You can turn the news on and you'll find a long list of people who lack integrity. You'll you'll find an athlete or a politician. And if we were honest tonight, even a Christian leader or pastor who say one thing, they project one thing, but the reality is they are living a double life. Their behavior is not matching their belief. So integrity is your behavior matches your belief. What you are saying 
is in line. It's integrated in the life that you are, that you are living. So what you say lines up with what you do. Your, your private life matches your public life. So your integrity, you need to know this, your integrity is different than your reputation. Your reputation is what people think you are. It's who people think you are. It's, it's the thoughts of somebody else about you. That is your reputation. Integrity is not reputation. Your integrity is not who people think you are. Your integrity is who you really are. This is, this is who you are when no one else is looking. Nehemiah here, as this leader of, of, of Jerusalem during a time of rebuilding, is a man who lived a life of integrity. This is, this is the aim tonight. Are you a man of integrity? Are you a woman of integrity? Does your behavior match your beliefs? Are, are you living an integrated lifestyle that the, the words you say match the things you do? The words you say match the kind of spirit or the attitude that you have. Are you a person of integrity? So we're told in chapter one of this, of, of, or verse one of this chapter, that there was this great cry that came up to Nehemiah. And it came up to Nehemiah as a result of those in Jerusalem who were taking advantage of, of others. There was the haves and there was the have-nots. And as a result of this contention between them, Nehemiah is forced out, find reconciliation. And the whole chapter, you feel like it's just this group of people and one person or one people group keep exploiting another people group. And just let me just add a note here. It is never right to exploit anybody. It's never right to take advantage of anyone else during, during their time of need or really any other time. But the, but the reality of the, of, the, of the chapter is that not everyone in the story is, is exploiting everyone else. In fact, there is one man, the man's name is Nehemiah, who is not doing this. And so notice two thoughts tonight. Notice this first one. Notice Nehemiah's promotion. So the Bible teaches us in this passage that Nehemiah is the governor. Look at verse 14. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year even unto the 20th and 30th year of Artaxerxes the king, that is 12 years, I and my brethren have not eaten of the bread of the governor. But the former governors that had been before me were chargeable unto the people and had taken of them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Yea, even their servants bear rule over the people. But so did not I because of the fear of God. Yea, I also continued in the work of this wall. Neither, neither bought we any land and all of my servants were gathered Gather thithered unto the work. Moreover, there were at my table a hundred and fifty of the Jews and rulers besides those that came unto us from among the heathen that are about us. Now that which was prepared for me daily was one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowls were prepared for me and once in ten days store of, of all sorts of wine. Yet for 
All this required not I the bread of the governor, because the bondage was heavy upon this people. Think upon me, God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. So you're noticing his promotion. And his promotion is this, that he is made the governor. And as a result of being made the governor, there were certain advantages. There were certain opportunities that were brought his way. He, he lives in the, the governor's mansion. He has a, an entourage. He mentions it here of civil servants. He says there's, a, there's 150 of them. He has this he has this allowance, this food allowance. He mentions it three times in, these, in, the, in the back half of this, of this text. So, so you're noticing this. Nehemiah is saying, there were all kinds of advantages that were afforded to me as I was the governor for these 12 years in the land of Judah. But notice this, you need to understand. These advantages were not coming from King Artaxerxes. These advantages were coming from the taxation of the people inside of Jerusalem. This is called taxes. That's what this is called, right? So how did the governor get this house? How did the governor have this allowance? How did the governor afford these things? It was afforded to him as a result of the taxation of the people. And yet notice what Nehemiah is saying. Look at verse number 18. He is saying, I didn't take advantage of any of these things. I didn't, I didn't exercise my right to use any of these things. Why? Notice verse 18. Because the bondage was heavy upon this people. And so notice this. Notice Nehemiah's position here. Nehemiah's promotion brings with it a position that, that Nehemiah is given this opportunity. He is afforded these advantages. He is afforded these um, these. these these perks or these benefits. And yet what Nehemiah is recognizing here is he is saying, I, I'm not going to take advantage of this promotion. I'm not going to use my position in a way that's going to harm or hurt the people of which I'm called to lead. He also is, is given these, these, these priorities. He is able to do what he has come here to do. He's saying, me and my servants, I'm setting the agenda. What was the agenda that Nehemiah had? The agenda was to complete the wall. Notice he's saying he has these extra privileges that were brought his way. And yet, this is what I want you to notice. That while Nehemiah has this position, while he has these priorities, while he has these privileges, he refuses to allow his promotion to corrupt him. He practices what we would understand as self-denial. Self-denial. Now we, we live in an age that is terribly consumed about individual rights. Everyone's demanding, I want my rights. Even, even little kids are aware that they have their rights. But here is a Christian principle being laid down, not just in the life of Nehemiah, but it's seen perfectly in the life of Jesus. And that is this, that Nehemiah is not demanding for his rights to be met. Nehemiah instead is sacrificing his rights. He is surrendering his rights. He is engaging in self-denial. And it's a beautiful thing to see because it's a Jesus thing. Paul says it this way, that Jesus was... Um, Equal to God. 
And yet he laid down his own rights. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He was found in fashion as a man. And he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus is saying, let this mind, Paul then is saying, this mind that Jesus had of humbling himself, of denying himself, let this mind then be in you who are in Jesus. So if you are in Jesus and Jesus is in you, then you and I ought to have the same kind of mind that Jesus had, and that is that we ought to be humbling ourselves, that we ought to be yielding ourselves, that we ought to be saying, no, 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 I'm not living my life to demand what is mine, to take what is owed to me. No, 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 I am giving up my rights. I'm denying myself in order that I might serve God and in order that I might serve those around me. Integrity is understanding the difference between could, should, and ought. Under, integrity is understanding the difference between could, should, and ought. What, what can you do in the Christian life? Well, Paul says it this way. Paul says, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Paul is saying, as it relates to your relationship with God, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so there's all kinds of Christians who are demanding, well, what can I do? Well, what can I do? Well, what can I do? And Paul is saying, you're asking the wrong question. The, wrong, the, the question is not what can you do. The question is what ought you to do. The question is not even what should you do. What should you do simply implies obligation or suggestion. The difference between should and ought means it's not just an obligation. It's an obligation that has with it a moral ethic. You ought to do it because it is right to do. It is right to do. So it's not, just a, it's not just a conversation about what can I do. It's not just a conversation about what should I do. No, the Christian is asking himself or herself, what ought I to do? What ought I to do in love of my brother or sister in Christ? What ought I to do in, in service to God? What ought I to do? And not just is it allowed, but is it right? Do you understand? Nehemiah here is leading in this way. Integrity is understanding this. Integrity is living with not an awareness of my individual rights, but integrity is living with an awareness of the need for self-denial. Now, how many politicians do you know that would pass up an opportunity to get gain if it was afforded to them? And yet here is Nehemiah. Nehemiah is keeping him from abusing his power, abusing his position, abusing his privilege, abusing his promotion. He's not doing that. What is keeping him back from doing that? And here's the answer. The answer is integrity. Integrity. So how can we have integrity? How do we live with integrity? How, how do we live in a way where our behavior matches our belief? So that's the second thing I want you to see. Not just Nehemiah's promotion, but notice second, Nehemiah's integrity. And notice this, Nehemiah is telling us how he did this. Look at verse 15. 
but so did not I because of the fear of God. Do you see this? Well, why, why didn't you do these things, Nehemiah? Nehemiah is saying, I didn't do them because of the fear of God. Notice what else he says. Look at verse number 16. He says, I didn't do them. Why? Because I continued in the work of this, of this wall. So neither bought we any land. So he's saying, I didn't, I didn't use my position to buy up land. I didn't use my power and privilege to gain these things for myself. I didn't use the office that God had given to me for personal gain. I didn't do that. Why? Because I was continuing in the work. Because, verse 15, I had this fear of God. Notice this, verse 17, verse 18, the very end. Because of the bondage of this people was upon me. So Nehemiah is saying, here's, here's the other reason why I didn't do this. I didn't do this because I was looking around at the people of who I was serving and I was seeing their faces. I was listening to their grievances. I was trying to help them find reconciliation in their own hearts and lives. And so I refrained from this. And then last, he is saying, think upon me, my God, for good according to all that I have done. So Nehemiah actually here gives us these four reasons for why he chose to walk in integrity. And by way of giving us these, these four reasons for him, he is showing us four ways to maintain integrity in our own hearts. Four ways to maintain integrity in our own lives. And so here they are, write them down. First, you want to maintain integrity? Deepen your fear of God. And see, that's what he is saying in verse 15. But so did not I... Because of the fear of God. Nehemiah wanted to please God more than Nehemiah wanted to please himself. Nehemiah wanted the people to please God more than he wanted the people to have a, to, more than he wanted to have the approval of other people. And so Nehemiah is living, he is a man living with God before him every day. And he is saying, I want to please God more than I want to please others. And I want others to please God more than I want their approval of me. And Nehemiah is recognizing here, by making this statement, he is recognizing it is God who has given me this position. It is God who has sent me here to do this work. It is God who has given me this project. It is God who has called me to this rebuilding. Listen to it in Psalm chapter 75. Psalm 75, David says, David says it this way. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is judge, and he putteth down one, and he setteth up another. And David is recognizing the same thing that Nehemiah is recognizing. And that is this, that it is God who has given this to me and I am simply a steward of what God has entrusted to me. And so I don't want to use what God has entrusted to me in any way that is not going to bring him glory and that is not going to bring him honor and that is not going to bring fame to his name. Nehemiah for Nehemiah, God was real. God was not just a philosophical principle. God was not someone to just be argued over. No, God filled Nehemiah's vision. God filled Nehemiah's heart. God filled Nehemiah's life. And Nehemiah lived in pursuit of God. You want to live with integrity? Have 
a fear of God. You see, friend, when you fear God, that changes everything in your life. The fear of the Lord, Solomon says, is the beginning of wisdom. Do you hear that? It's the beginning of wisdom. How do you know what God would want you to do? He's saying, begin here. Begin with the fear of God. Why? Because proper fear of God humbles me. A proper fear of God keeps me in my right position. And a proper fear of God keeps God in his right position. So Nehemiah is hungry for God's glory, not for his own glory. Nehemiah is hungry for God's glory. And Nehemiah recognizes that as he serves the people of Jerusalem as their governor, he is serving them under the rule of God in his own life. Never forget that. He may be the governor, but God is in charge. That's what he's saying. He may be the governor, but God is the ultimate God is supreme. God is in control. I will tell you this, that, that when we approach the services of which God has given to us, not with humility and fear of God, but when we approach them with arrogance, it becomes very destructive. It becomes very destructive. Arrogant pastors are destructive pastors. Arrogant church leaders are destructive church leaders. Arrogant parents are destructive parents. Arrogant husbanding brings about destruction in the family. Arrogant wifing, yes, I made those verbs, brings about destruction in the family. You see, it's not this spirit that says, wow, look how awesome I am. Look at the promotion I got. No, 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 that's not a fear of God. A fear of God is recognizing what I have been given has been given to me from God and my responsibility is to steward him or her or this or that and to simply steward it well for God. You want to live with integrity, live with a fear of God. Deepen your fear of God every day. Remind yourself to walk in fear of God more than you fear anyone else. Second, if you want to live a life of integrity, be devoted to the work of God in your own life. So deepen your fear of God. Be devoted to the work of God in your own life. That's what he's saying in verse 16. Yea, also I continue in the work of this wall, and neither, brought, neither bought we any land, and all of my servants were gathered thither unto the work. So you remember, this is why Nehemiah is in Jerusalem in the first place. That God had called him to lead the rebuilding effort in Jerusalem. Governing was not Nehemiah's calling. Wall building was Nehemiah's calling. Now, now governing is something that God had afforded him the opportunity to do. And governing had all of these perks and all of these these benefits, but Nehemiah is saying, I am not going to forget the reason why I am here. The reason I am here is the priority that I'm going to live with, which is the completion of this wall. Notice what he says, notice what he says here. He says, neither bought we any land. Isn't that interesting? 
He goes way out of his way to help people realize, I, I'm not getting sidetracked. I'm recognizing my purpose. He's saying, I just, I'm going to keep right at it. I'm not going to allow anything to pull me to one side or the other. I'm going to finish the work that God has given me to do. And so it is. Proverbs chapter 25, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Want to be a person of integrity? You must be a person who is devoted to the work that God has given you to do. Are you devoted as a husband? Are you devoted as a wife? Are you devoted as a parent? Are you keeping your commitments? Are you remaining faithful? Are you fulfilling your responsibilities that God has given to you in any of those capacities? Is your, is your word good as gold? Are you finishing the task that you have been entrusted with? Are you keeping your promises? Are you keeping yourself from making promises of which you have no intention of keeping? You see, this is what it means to be a person who is walking in integrity. And oftentimes we, we put ourselves, we say, oh yeah, this is, this is the work that God is calling me to do. These are the things that God is wanting me to do. And yet we are not walking in integrity because we are giving up on them. Sometimes it is the easiest to, to change the thing. It's easy to change the marriage. It's easy to change the relationship. It's easy to change the job, at least at first it is much more difficult to change you. It is much more difficult to change me. It is much more difficult to say, no, no, no. The work might not be easy, but God has called me to this work. And so I'm not just going to run from the work. Listen, friend. We live in a day and age where running from the good work that God has given us to do is easier than ever. You cannot run from the good work of being the husband that you have committed yourself to be in front of the eyes of God. You cannot run from the good work of being the wife that you have committed yourself to be. You cannot run from the good work of being the parents that God has entrusted you to be because he gave you that child. You cannot run from the good work. You want to be a person of integrity? Deep in the fear of God. Want to be a person of integrity? Be devoted to the work of God. The work that God has given to you. Now you need to understand this. God has not given to you the same work he has given to me. God has, God has not given you my wife. God has not given you my children. God has not given you my job. That, no, God has given to you a work. God has given to me a work. And the way in which we walk in integrity is we, we remain devoted to the work that God has given us. So your work may look different than my work. And that is absolutely fine. We must recognize that. But we, we also must recognize that we cannot just surrender the work that God has given us to do because we wanted somebody else's work. Well, I wish I had their calling. I wish I had their abilities. I wish I had their kids. I wish I had that job. I wish I made those monies, I, I, that, that money. I wish I lived in that house, right? And this is, this is, how, it, this is how tempting it is in our world. 
To always look at someone else and covet what they have. To always look at someone else and think, well, the grass must be greener over there. Well, the grass may be greener over there, but this is what you will find out. Very quickly, when you jump into their yard, their grass is on a sewage plant. No, no, no. Do the work that God has called you to do. Be devoted to the work that God has given you. How do we, how do we live lives of integrity? Deepen our fear of God. Be devoted to the work that God has called us individually to do. Third, develop a love for the people of God. Develop a love for the people of God. Nehemiah is a man of compassion. Notice what he's saying. Look at verse 17. Moreover, there were at my table 150 of the Jews and the rulers. How do you think Nehemiah's wife felt about cooking dinner for 150 people, right? And besides those, anyone who came among us of the heathen that are about us. So you have these delegations of people coming in, you know, re recognizing the wall, all the delegations from Syria or Egypt, whoever, Lebanon, wherever they were coming in from. And, and Nehemiah is saying, hey, just come to the house and eat with us. Imagine that. And he's saying this, he says, he, gives, he lists in verse 18 all the things that were prepared every day. Notice verse 18, about halfway through the verse. It, it picks up right, right, after, right, right after the colon there. Notice what it says. Yet for all this required not I the bread of the governor because the bondage was heavy upon this people. So Nehemiah gives you this big long list of what it takes to feed these. He's giving you his Costco bill is what he's showing you. And then he is saying, and yet I am not collecting on any of that even though I could. Why? Why is he not collecting? Here's why. Because where is that going to come from? Where is that going to come from? It is going to come from the very people that he was called to serve. And so Nehemiah is saying, they're already poor. There's already grievances. There's already desperation. It's already a time of stress. It's already a time where people don't, they don't have enough to, to make ends meet. And so... My love for this people is going to keep me from charging to them what I could have rightly charged to them. Do you see? He's developed a love for his people. Self-centered people focus on what they can get. Self-centered people are focused on what they can get. Savior-centered people are focused on what they can give. Nehemiah is not doing this as a result of some kind of personal enrichment or ego or status. Serving God is about caring for the people of God. Serving God is about caring for the people of God and Nehemiah cares most. And as a result of this, Nehemiah is saying, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to charge to you what I could have rightly charged to you. You can imagine Nehemiah's critics, can't you? You can imagine Nehemiah's critics who say things like, well, look at Nehemiah, he's the governor, and he's probably got that big salary. And look at all the people he's feeding. And look how he's fill, filling his own pockets. And don't you know every day he's cooking for 150 people? How much is that costing us? And all the while they would have not known. You, you need to remember this. Nehemiah is not making this as a public service announcement. 
Nehemiah is just simply recording after the event of the things in which is, has happened. It teaches us a lesson, doesn't it? That you do not know always what everyone else is doing. It's, it's a mistake to think that you know what everyone else is doing in their service for the Lord. It's a mistake to think that you know what everyone else ought to be doing in their service for the Lord. It's a mistake to assume that in someone else's service for the Lord, it must have equaled this. No, no, no. Nehemiah refuses. He refuses to charge to this people something that was too grievous for them to bear. He doesn't demand what other governors had demanded. He makes that contrast. He says, verse 15, but former governors that had been before me were chargeable unto the people and had taken of them. He says, this, this, is, what other, this is what other governors did, and yet I, did, I refused to do that. Why? Because he recognized how grievous it was to the people who were already hurting, who were already in distress, who were already having difficulties. Because he loved them, that's why. Want to be a person of integrity? Develop a love for the people of God. Last one. You want to be a person of integrity? Verse 19. Verse 19. Think upon me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. You want to be a person of integrity? Discipline yourself to think about eternity with God. Discipline yourself to think about eternity with God. Now, now remember, I told you this. Nehemiah is not saying this to the people. Nehemiah is not standing up and going, do you know how many people I brought into my house and fed and I didn't even charge it to you? He's not saying that. Nehemiah is not bragging. I've read several commentaries as I've prepared for this sermon, or this sermon series on Nehemiah. And most of them, it's sad, but most of them are accusing Nehemiah in here. They're saying Nehemiah is being arrogant. Nehemiah is bragging about all the things that he was doing. No, 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 no. Nehemiah isn't talking to anybody but the Lord. That's all he's doing. And in his prayer, he is saying to the Lord, Lord, I want you to remember the things that I have done in your sight. And Lord, you vindicate me. You restore me. You reward me. That is what Nehemiah is saying. Nehemiah is thinking about eternity. Nehemiah is not thinking about here and now. Nehemiah is saying, Lord, you deal with me according to your terms, according to your own covenant, according to your own word. Nehemiah is not saying he is sinless. Nehemiah is not saying he is perfect. Nehemiah is asking God to deal with him according to his own, to God's own righteousness. And what does God's righteousness extend to us? It extends to us forgiveness. It extends to us love. It extends to us acceptance. It extends to us approval. God is extending this to us. But listen, God is also in his covenant extending to us a word in which he wants us to obey. And God is saying, I will bless those 
who are obedient to me. I will reward you according to your obedience. This is, this is the, the entire letter of the book of James. Jesus' brother is saying the same thing. It is, your, it is your faith in the Lord Jesus that is bringing you into a right relationship with Jesus. But if you have a right relationship with Jesus, well, then you ought to be having works. So if you have a belief in Jesus that Jesus loves you, he died for you, he saved you, he redeemed you, he claimed you, he adopted you, he's gifted you, he's called you, he's placed you, he's given you this ministry. If you're saying this about Jesus, that's your belief, James is saying, where's your behavior? Nehemiah is saying the same thing. Nehemiah is not saying, I just have this belief that everything's just going to turn out okay. No, no, no. Nehemiah is saying, this is what I believe about you, God. I believe you are a God of promise. I believe you are a God of your word. And I am asking you to keep your word. I am asking you to keep your promise. I am asking you, God, to think of me according to the way in which I have lived. Listen, before you for your glory, but before this people for their good. I'm asking you to remember the way in which I've lived before you for your glory and before this people for their good. So are you a person of integrity? Are you a man, a woman of integrity? Your husband, a wife of integrity? Your parent who's walking in integrity? Is your behavior matching your belief? The requirement of integrity in order for us to rebuild the ruins of our lives. Integrity is necessary. 